It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. My name is Matt Hausman, as you know, the host for the Smart Money Questions podcast. Hopefully you're doing great. I'm doing great and looking forward to the show today. So as you know, one of the things I like to do is to use this format to go over the different scenarios and questions and strategies and conversations that we're having with our clients or people that have reached out to us. Usually, you know, we'll get a couple listener questions that have come in via email and kind of go over what it is and how we're discussing this with them and the different questions that we are asking, no pun intended, or maybe there is, <laughs> is to, you know, most of the time a question will come in and it's not just a simple answer. We want to make sure that we're really diving in to make sure that we are giving the correct advice or, or the different strategies that we are looking to implement or help our clients implement. So listen, before, and that's what we're going to be doing today. But before we do that, let's make sure we deal with a disclaimer. Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmat.com. That's www.speakwithmat.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. You can schedule a 15 or 30 minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation. So again, very low key, go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmat.com, www.speakwithmat.com and schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. Okay. So the, the first uh, situation comes up is I had some clients in right at the tail end of the year and they were discussing with me, they had recently updated their wills. They were looking for us to assist in updating their beneficiary forms with the accounts that they have with us. And at the same time, they are looking or they're seriously considering reestablishing residency in another state. They're, they're looking to move, in this case, move from PA to move down south. So one of the things when we were discussing what their wishes of legacy were, and how they want their monies, whatever's left is the way that they're structured, whatever's left, they want to make sure that is going to the different institutions, in this case, some charities, or some individuals, some loved ones, they want to make sure that that money gets to them in the most efficient way possible. And so one of the things that we were talking about was, like I said, they have some charities that they want to support with their, uh, with their legacy, and they have some individuals, some loved ones. So one of the things I was talking to them about was, you know, one of the things to consider about charities, if charities are going to be one of the legacies you're wanting to help fund, is as of right now, the tax code is very beneficial for charities on inheriting IRA type of retirement accounts. So what happens, just to go back over, an IRA, a traditional IRA, a traditional 401k, 
is something where you have put in pre-tax dollars, it grows tax-free, and then when it comes out, it is fully taxable as ordinary income. But in the event that the beneficiary of that account, so you as the owner, you're going to pay ordinary income tax on distribution of those assets to yourself, okay? But when it goes to a charity, is that they are not going to pay taxes. Currently, they're not going to pay taxes when they receive those funds. Now, on the other thing, the, the clients that I was speaking with, they have a desire for part of their monies to go to some individuals. And so I talked with them about, you know, when an individual inherits an IRA, they're under the new SECURE Act that went into effect at the tail end or was voted into uh, law at the tail end of 19, went into effect January 1st of 2020. They're under those withdrawal rules. They are going to pay tax on it if it's a traditional IRA or traditional 401k, and they're going to pay it at ordinary income tax. So why don't we look at, let's look at your overall assets, and let's most importantly look at the tax buckets that you have. So in this case, the client has all three tax buckets. They have the traditional IRA account, you know, traditional um, pre-tax or uh, IRA account that we just talked about. They also have a Roth IRA and they have an after-tax investment account. In addition to that, they have real estate, which is considered an after-tax investment. So all of a sudden now we have monies in three different buckets, tax buckets, and how can we, what's the most efficient way to get those funds to the legacy choices that we've decided on, in this case, charities and individuals. So one of the things I went through in what we just talked about was, let's look at your IRA money. Well, first of all, how much money do you want to go to each person or charity? And they come up with those numbers or the percentages. Okay, now let's be most efficient in how we're going to get that money to them. So in this case, what we did is we shifted a majority of their beneficiaries that were in their IRA, their traditional IRA accounts, and where before we had a bunch of different uh, institution, charitable institutions and heirs listed, we really zeroed in on that's where the charity money is going to be dispersed from. And why? Again, because of the tax efficiency on that money getting to the charity. Okay. Now, what we did with the after-tax investment and the Roth accounts is now we shifted to the individuals. Well, why in the world would we do that? Well, first of all, if it's a Roth IRA, yes, the Roth IRA is now under the Secure Act distribution rules, basically the person has to, you know, have the funds depleted over a 10-year period of time, but it's an inherited Roth, which means it's still a non-taxable event to the heirs. Now, with the after-tax investments, or in this case, real estate also, is currently under the tax law, we get what's called a step-up in basis to the heirs. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, let's say that I bought my, let's use real estate as an example. I bought my home for 100000 you know, 10, 20 years ago, and now it's worth 300000 when I pass away. Well, normally there is a capital gain that's happened there when it goes to the next generation. But because of a step up in basis, now at the day of my passing, their value, their basis moves all the way up to that $300,000 number, and they can sell that amount the very next day and not owe any taxes on it. So again, a very efficient way to do that. They get that step up in basis. The same thing can be said if you have a traditional brokerage account 
you know, and I had $100,000 of Google and now it's worth 300000 If I sell it, I'm going to have a capital gain issue that, or a capital gain tax that I'm going to be due. But if my, if my heirs inherit it, now their value moves up to the $300,000. So again, a very efficient way and look to mitigate taxes by how we're wanting our legacy funds to go and how we're using and understanding the different tax buckets, what they are, and what's most beneficial to get to the heirs. Now, keep in mind what I'm talking about is on federal taxes, depending on the state you're in. So, for instance, we're in PA. We're potentially still going to have to deal with and PA inheritance tax. And you might be in a tax that ha- or in a state that has an estate tax or an inheritance type of tax, and you're going to want to speak with an attorney and possibly even a CPA to make sure that now how can we mitigate around those state taxes that are or potentially would be due on those funds to the next generation or to a charitable institution. So, you know, again, one of the things that we wanted to look at or they wanted to look at is this is everything we have. These are the different changes that we're putting into effect, where we're wanting our money to go. What's going to be the most efficient way to do that? So again, really making sure on a legacy standpoint that we're we're actually looking at the tax classification and where we want that money to go, what's going to be most advantageous. And speaking with uh, an estate attorney and a CPA in connection or an advisor like ourselves, a financial advisor that really understands the tax issues that are surrounding that, having a team work together is very important to make sure you're taking advantage of every opportunity that is there. Now, let's talk about this as well, because they're also looking to potentially sell here and move down south. Now, that conversation has come up numerous times over the course of the last six to seven months with other clients. And so one of the things we want to look at is the state that we're going to, what potentially is changing with regards to our income and the new state, are we going to be paying additional or reducing our income tax at the state level? Is how much are we going to be potentially paying? So for instance, if we're going to Carolina or South Carolina versus PA, even though in the Carolinas, the the tax rate, the marginal rate is higher versus PA, PA has a flat tax. In PA, you can't really write anything off. So even though the tax rate is higher in the Carolinas, for instance, versus PA, if I can't write anything off at the state level, it could be that I'm paying the same or more than I would in the Carolinas because in the Carolinas, I get to do a lot of write-offs, kind of like at the Fed level, right? Or let's say we're going to Florida where there is no state income tax, right? And one of the things or the conversation that I had is if you're looking to just automatically sell and move, then we don't have the option of looking at where we compared to having two pieces of real estate, let's say one in Florida and one up here, is that then we can choose our residency based on what's going to be most advantageous for us from a planning, both legacy and current tax planning for ourselves. Especially when you look at Florida, where there isn't a state income tax. Now, of course, there's regulations and rules as to being able to do that. But in in the case of, hey, listen, we might keep our house here and move down south. What does that look like? In one of the conversations I had with the clients were, hey, listen, in the event you're going to leave here and keep this property and go down and buy something down south is, are you planning on unloading this property at some point in time while you're still alive? 
Because the other thing we want to look at is if all of a sudden now we're moving and I'm just going to pick, you know, we're going to go to North Carolina and now that's going to be our permanent resident. That means that if I decide at some future time to sell my PA property, what used to be my primary, but now it's not, there are certain rules now where I might have just given up. If I'm married filing jointly, I could have given up a $500,000 exemption on gain for real estate. If it's not my primary, I've just lost that. And then if I bought it 20 years ago, again, we'll use that number, 100 grand, and now it's worth 300000 Now I got to pay capital gains on $200,000 versus if it was my primary, I get exempted on that. So again, these are the things that you want to be considering when you are looking to potentially change residency while maintaining real estate in the state you're leaving. That's one of the things I was talking with some other clients about was, hey, listen, in their situation, it's PA in Florida, and they've been coming back and forth. I mean, they're primarily, they've been up here, but they still bounce back and forth. But now they're thinking, hey, listen, we might want to just go ahead and stay in Florida. What should be our plan with the PA resident? Well, how long do you want to keep it? You know, if you're going to keep it indefinitely, that really doesn't matter because then we go back to what we talked about earlier. Your heirs can inherit it, get it currently, get a step up in basis, and they're not going to owe any tax. But if you're wanting to use that asset, potentially sell that asset for you to use that cash, and all of a sudden now you've been down in Florida for three years and you said, hey, I don't, I don't want to be back up there in PA. Let's just go ahead and unload the property. Now you're going to have a tax bill. I remember, I guess now it's been about seven, eight years ago. Uh, that is what happened with my aunt and uncle. Um, they had moved from Ohio to Florida, and um, they didn't have that conversation. They, they, there was not an intention to stay or go back and forth to Ohio for an extended period of time. They were looking to probably unload the home in the next two to five years, of which they ended up doing, but they didn't have that conversation with their advisor. They didn't have the conversation with their CPA. And what ended up happening? Boom, they got hit with a pretty large capital gain tax bill that um, they weren't prepared for. So again, some of these things, especially when it comes to changing residency, if you're going to maintain additional properties outside of where you're going, is you want to be aware, you really want to be thinking, what am I going to, you know, am I going to be unloading this? Many times with clients, we're talking about this. This is a multi-year strategy. We don't just want to boom, pick it up and go without making sure that we are, you know, let's really make sure we're looking at all of these different things because, you know, let's just say it's a long-term capital gain tax that I, that hundred dollars to $300,000 scenario. Well, right now, capital gain tax, I'm going to be at 15% plus I'm at the state. Well, I guess if I moved to Florida, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't owe that state tax, but I'm still going to owe $30,000 in capital gain tax potentially on that gain. Where if I just would have thought through the process and really, um, you know, what's, as I talk to them, what's the benefit of declaring residency in Florida versus being in PA right now? Well, right now, there really isn't a benefit to being in Florida PA. Most of their money is either Social Security or IRA distributions. That doesn't get taxed at the PA level. So from a state income tax uh, standpoint, you're not gaining anything by going to Florida because you're already not paying any PA state income tax. So Thinking through those things and realizing it's, it shouldn't just be, or before we just make a, a rash decision, that we've gone through the different scenarios and understanding the different tax laws that are in place based on what we're wanting to accomplish. Um, so again, if you have questions or scenarios similar to this, 
legacy questions, um, you know, residency issues. Many people right now in the Northeast, they're heading south. If you're looking to do that and you're just looking to pick up and go, then you're not going to necessarily have that, that primary residency issue. But you want to be aware of where you're going to the potential uh, increase or decrease in your state income taxes, especially if you're still working. Even if you're not working, how are they, and you're taking Social Security, for instance, how are they going to be taxing Social Security? How are they going to be taxing my pensions? capital gains, et cetera. So just making sure you're going through that is extremely important to make sure you're making the right decision again for you. All right, let's jump to the, I got this question that came in and it's very similar to what we were just talking about. We were talking about legacy and what's the best way for, if we have legacy, what's the best and most efficient way to get monies there? In this case, this is Victoria. Coming to us, uh, the question is from Florida. It says, my husband wants to leave a lot of money to our kids, but I've worked hard to be able to retire, and I don't want to skimp and save the rest of my life. I want to be able to go live it. I want to spend it. What do you see as a reasonable amount to leave as a legacy? Well, first of all, Victoria, what I would tell you, and this is a very common question that comes up between couples and many times they're on opposite sides or they're not as close together as they would like to be. And the thing I would tell you is this is really something that you're going to have to, it's a personal decision between both of you and you're going to have to have a meeting. Again, I would tell you to go back to what we talked about before, the types of money that you have, the different tax buckets and what's going to be most efficient. And the next thing you might want to consider that possibly... I mean, I don't know your ages and I don't know what your assets and stuff are. When you say a lot of money to the kids, I don't even know what that amount is. But one of the ways you might be able to address that is to buy a life insurance policy. And there's a policy out there that's called a survivorship or a second to die policy where you can get a little bit more bang for your buck. It's going to insure both you and your husband. And here's the great thing is currently... Uh, are you going to have to pay for it? Yeah, there's going to be premium. So this is where you're going to have to determine what the amount is that you want to go to them. But life insurance is one of the best assets that can be inherited because it is tax-free to the heirs. And currently, for instance, go back to PA with inheritance tax. Currently, life insurance is the only asset that is exempt of PA inheritance tax. So Victoria, what I would tell you to do is go back. You guys need to sit down. You need to come up with whatever that number is. And, you know, maybe, you know, you factor in some uh, life expectancy for both of you, some inflationary factors and come up with that number. And of course it is life insurance. So we're going to have to make sure we can afford it in our, in our budget and our income distribution plan in retirement. But now what that does, it really allows us to go spend our assets while in retirement. As long as we're still paying the premium on that life insurance policy, even if we spent everything down to zero, when we pass, that money is going to go to the heirs tax-free, can be very efficient, can end up really you know, allowing you to spend more of that money now. Again, we want to make sure it fits into the budget and the distribution plan. But if it does those things, that can be very efficient to go to the heirs to get to that number that you and your husband have agreed on. In fact, in some cases, those policies can be asset protection vehicles because you can incorporate in in a long-term care type of um, where they, they would pay out the death benefit before passing in the event 
care was needed. This is where you would want to deal with a professional to see how those are um, how those are structured. But in many cases, we've done this before with clients where that's what we're using. And what we're doing is in the event they don't ever need care, guess what? Goes to the heirs tax-free. In the event they do need care, now we have an asset that we can use where we're not hitting the other assets that they've been using. So again, I would tell you, sit down, come up with that number, and then look at using life insurance as a potential strategy for you. You know, but you're going to have to come up with that number. I, I joke with clients all the time. You know, we're in the financial planning and investment management business. I am not in marriage counseling. <laughs> so um, hopefully that's been helpful for you, Victoria. But that's a direction I would, I would look to go. And, and hopefully you can come to a meeting of the minds on what that amount is. And, it, you know, it is life insurance. We're going to have to be healthy. Hopefully we're not too old where it becomes cost prohibitive. But it can be something that, uh, you know, we've, we've done that numerous times uh, for clients, specifically with um, the idea of them wanting to spend the assets that they have but still leave a legacy to the heirs, the, the kids and grandkids. So, well, listen, everyone, I hope this has been helpful. If you have a question or scenario, that you would like for us to address, you can simply do that by uh, sending it over to us, info at smartmoneyquestions.com or going to smartmoneyquestions.com, just say, ask Matt a question. And there's a place right there where you can uh, put it into our into our website. Or quite frankly, right now, you could even leave a voicemail. Uh, or you can always schedule a call if you would like to speak with me on an individual basis. You can do that at speakwithmatt.com. Again, www.speakwithmatt.com. My online calendar is there. Feel free to uh, schedule a 15 or 30-minute conference call. I'm more than happy to jump on the call with you. So that's all I've got for today. Again, hopefully it's been valuable. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. Take care.